Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Brandon Ward. And I'm Ron Jorlock. Welcome to another episode of Pastor Matters. Before we get into today's topic, I want to remind you that our center will be hosting the third annual Christ-Centered Exposition Workshop at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary on April 7th. This year, we'll be studying the Book of Revelation. This workshop is for pastors, leaders, and students of the Bible. So if you're preaching through Revelation soon or know someone who is studying through Revelation Consider attending this event. You can find out more about the Christ-Centered Exposition Workshop by visiting cceworkshop2022.eventbrite.com. We both would love to see you there. Today, though, Ronjor and I are going to be discussing the importance of preaching the gospel to yourself. This is something that I, and I'm sure many pastors and church leaders listening right now, have heard at some point in their ministry, this idea of preaching the gospel to yourself. So, brother, what do we mean when we say that? What what does it mean to preach the gospel to yourself? Is this something not only pastors but Christians should do regularly, even daily? Sure. When we say preach the gospel to yourself, what we're really acknowledging is, one, that pastors have the responsibility to preach the gospel. Uh, you have the, the scriptures. You are told by uh, the Apostle Paul to preach the word, uh, to be ready in season and out of season. Uh, Paul, of course, had the, um, uh, set the example in Acts 20 of uh, preaching the whole counsel of God, as he uh, said to the Ephesian elders there in Acts 20. Uh, and we recognize that that's a part of our regular ministry. Right. Um, one of the primary roles of the pastor is to feed the sheep. Uh, that, that's that's the primary role of shepherding the flock is to feed them uh, the 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 truths of the gospel, to nourish them with the truths of the gospel week in and week out. The problem, though, is that we forget that we're sheep too. Uh, and so we uh, can very easily fall into the trap of, of, of preaching the gospel, of, of studying the scriptures, digging deeply into the scriptures, and, and taking all of the, of the meat, if you will, that we, uh, that we gather from our time in the scriptures, and we give it to our people, and we forget in the process to feed our own souls with, that, uh, with all of that meat as well. And so we can easily preach the gospel to everyone. Everyone else, everyone else is hearing the gospel. We're, we're focusing all of our time and attention on applying the gospel uh, to the life of the body, uh, even to individuals in the body, and so on. And we can completely overlook the responsibility that we have uh, to apply the gospel to our own lives and our own souls. Uh, so yeah, this is something that uh, pastors need to be aware of, and we certainly need to make sure that we are applying uh, the, the gospel to ourselves, that we are... Uh, 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 drinking from that fountain, or using the analogy that I said before, that we're eating the meat ourselves. Uh, and of course, this is uh, as a responsibility for all Christians as well, uh, that all of us need to be regularly tending to our souls with the truths of the gospel. Mm, that's really helpful. So let's turn our attention to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. What are some examples we see of this in the Bible? 
Well, there are tons of examples that we could find in Scripture, but I'm going to focus my attention on the book of Psalms. Uh, because in the book of Psalms, you see example after example of uh, psalmists who are talking to themselves. Uh, famously, you have Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. He says it again, bless the Lord, O my soul, in verse 2. And then at the end, in verse 22, bless the Lord, O my soul. He's talking to himself. He's saying, you know, hey, self, <laughs> hey, soul, bless the Lord. And, and so he's, he's speaking inwardly uh, to himself, as he says, all that is within me. And he's saying, hey, you know, get, get into, into gear, snap, right. in, snap out of it, you know, get into this. Uh, bless the Lord. And as he goes in through uh, in, in the psalm, he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his, all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. All of those, we could say, are the benefits of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's what God gives to us uh, in his mercy. Uh, he gives us a righteousness, as it says in verse 6. He, uh, he, as it uh, says later on, he does not re- uh, deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities in verse 10. And then you get these lofty verses, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows uh, compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. He's speaking this not just to the whole community, as obviously he's speaking about the community when he says those who fear him uh, and so on. But he's taking those truths and he's applying them to his soul mm. so that his soul overflows in blessing to the Lord and so on. Let me give you one more example. Uh, Psalm 77. Psalm 77 is, a, uh, is seemingly for Asaph a dark season. He says, in the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. And so he's he's going through a hard time, a difficult season. Um, as he says in verse uh, 7, he, he asks, will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? In other words, he's he's going through a season where it seems like God has just stopped being gracious to him. Mm. Where God is, uh, as he says, you know, he's, he's questioning, has God forgotten? You know, did he did he miss, you know, an installment <laughs> of grace? I'm supposed to be getting these, these you know, these uh, grace checks, if you will, and and he, he missed the last check. I, I, I'm, I'm, I want grace, and, and he's He's taking me through this season where it just doesn't seem like his grace is available. And so then he says in verse 11, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember the wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. And if you read the the rest of the psalm, 
he starts working his way through the redemption story, through the Exodus story. And he shows how God in his mercy redeemed the people from Egypt, how he walked with them through the waters, um, how he, uh, how he, he, he passed them through the sea and so on. And as he says at the end, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And again, He's taking the redemption story, he's taking the exodus, and he's applying it to this season, this hard time that he's going through. He's preaching the gospel to himself. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, in this season where it doesn't look like God is gracious, let me go back to the moment, the moment, you know, in their history at the time, when God showed his grace. And if God was willing to get us through that season, if he could take us through Egypt, if he could take us through the Red Sea, take us through the wilderness, and take us through all of those things, how could God abandon me in this if season? He heard our cries then, he hears our cries. Exactly, now. exactly. So, yeah, those are just two examples in the scriptures where you see folks, uh, one on kind of a high, you know, uh, Psalm 103, and one who's more in the valley, uh, Asaph and Psalm 77. And in both of those times, they're going, I need the gospel on my heart and in my mind, you know, constantly if I'm going to make it through this life. Mm. The Psalms are such a good example because it's not unique for the psalmist to talk to themselves, right? You know, mm-hmm. and to and to remind themselves of the hope. Sure. You know, I think of Psalm forty two, yeah, where the psalmist is like, Why my soul are you downcast? Mm-hmm. Hope in God. And yes. the reminder that there is hope. You know, one of the examples that I think of often is Paul. You know, mm-hmm. Paul is constantly going back to his testimony, his story. Paul is just a good example of preaching the gospel to yourself and preaching the gospel to others. Yeah. You know, like I said, there he's constantly reminding others of his own story. Mm-hmm. There are so many good examples yeah. in Scripture of this being done and why it's important for us to do it now. Mm-hmm. So let me ask another question. Mm-hmm. Is it possible for the pastor to preach and proclaim the gospel each week, week in and week out, and forget to preach and apply it to himself. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's, unfortunately, it's not only possible, it's easy. Uh, it's easy for you to, uh, to preach the gospel week in and week out and, and never press your own heart and your own soul to embrace it. It's easy for us to get into seasons where, where we are more self-righteous, you know, I think of uh, in, in Luke 18 where the Lord uh, gives a parable, Luke says, he gives a parable to those who, who thought that they were righteous and had contempt on everybody else. Uh, so, you know, we have pastors that are like that. We have pastors that are in the same category as the Pharisee in that, in that uh, parable, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, you know, who look at other people and say, you need the gospel. <laughs> I'm preaching this for you because you need Jesus. You know, you're 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 a hot mess. Your your life is your life is just is just absolutely jacked up, you know, and all that. And we forget to remind ourselves week in and week out that we are scum. Mm. You know, uh, in in one of my classes I teach um, uh, hermeneutics. And a passage that I love to use when it comes to uh, passages that we take out of context <laughs> is uh, the story uh, or uh, the Lord's uh, letter to the church at Laodicea in Revelation 3. 
Um, we've heard lukewarm. Uh, we get that from there, the lukewarm Christians, right. lukewarm right. church. Uh, we also get uh, the, you know, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Uh, that, that also uh, comes from uh, that, that letter there as well, and both of which have been wildly taken out of context. When he says that the church is lukewarm, it's interesting that he explains what he means by lukewarm in the very next verse. Uh, so you look at uh, Revelation three, and he uh, gives us uh, for the uh, he gives us an interpretation for the metaphor. So he says in verse uh, seventeen, four. By the way, that's a good clue <laughs> that that what he's saying here is going to explain what he just said. Uh, for you say, I am rich. I have prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. And so he says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. And he says, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. And that's why he says there, behold, I stand at the door and knock. In other words, think about this. This is a church that, <laughs> I mean, if you can just wrap your head around this, Jesus is outside of the church. He's knocking on the door. Why? Because they kicked him out. Mm. You know, why did they kick him out? Because they didn't need him anymore. Now, I think about that, and I think about our pastors He's talking here to the church at Laodicea, but he might as well be talking to the pastors, you know, uh, all the time because we think, you know, oh, yeah, you know, I went to seminary or, oh, yeah, I, I, I'm doing sound exegesis here. I know how to how to you know, apply the text to my people and so on. And we don't even realize the fact that <laughs> when the Lord is is giving us the gospel, he's speaking to us. Uh, it's so easy for us to think that because we've preached the gospel to everybody else, that we're okay because we un we obviously understand the gospel. I can't preach the gospel if I don't understand the gospel. Right. But understanding the gospel and being able to communicate the gospel and even being able to apply the gospel to other people does not mean that you have done it for yourself. It cannot be a substitute. In fact, if you are not preaching the gospel to yourself weekly and you're not applying the gospel to yourself weekly, all of that application and all of you know, the, uh, the, the talent that you have in terms of giving the gospel to other people will eventually dry up because the first line of application, at least from my experience, tends to come from my own personal interaction with, with the Lord and, and with the gospel. Uh, it's from there that, there that there's this wellspring, if you will, uh, that I'm able to start to see other, other people. Um, maybe that's a, an analogy uh, or, or akin to Jesus's analogy of the, uh, the log in the one person's eye mm -hmm. and the speck in, in the other eye. And so he's like, you see the speck in that person's eye. He's got some sawdust or he's got a little hair or something in his eye. And meanwhile, you've got a telephone pole in your own, you know, coming out of your own eye. Right, and, he's, right. and he's like, you know, and you have the nerve to go over to that person and tell him, hey, dude, you got you to deal with that speck. Well, how about you deal with the pole, yeah. you know, that's coming out of your eye? Uh, God forbid that we as pastors would be in the business of calling out specs uh, when we haven't applied the gospel to the telephone pole. Hmm. What impact does the gospel have on the identity of a pastor? Mm, that's a good question. Think about uh, who we are. I mean, we're, we're pastors, 
we're shepherds. There are people who look to us. There are people who, who come to us to hear from the Lord uh, week in and week out. There are people who come to our offices, you know, looking for counsel and looking for wisdom. There's there's a lot that I could look at those different ministries, you know, that that, that, that I'm engaged in and think uh, that that makes me who I am, you know, that I am who I am because I'm able to do these things. So let's say there's a Sunday where I just absolutely bomb, right? You know, I mean, I, I don't know what I was doing. I didn't have a lot of time in the in the scriptures that week. You know, I, I had I pulled, you know, maybe pulled an all nighter, you know, trying to finish it up and so on. And I'm there and I have zero confidence, <laughs> just zero confidence in my message, uh, zero confidence in 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 anything you know, that I that I'm saying here. And it's easy for me come Monday to wallow. Right. I mean, you're just sitting there going, you're scum. You're worthless. That was the worst sermon ever. You might as well find that resume and brush it off, you know, updated and everything because you're going to need it in a couple weeks. I mean, just all these things that you're saying to yourself, um, you know, don't even show your face, you know, at at the church because they've all they're already got the search team, you know, (laughs) set up and and all these things that you that you say to yourself. And all of that comes from us for even just a little moment for just a little tiny moment, stepping away from the gospel. Mm-hmm. Because in that moment, what we're saying is, my identity is wrapped up in my ability. Yeah, in the performance. In my performance, right. yeah. Because I didn't you know, do the best that, that I normally do, I'm not judging it by the week I had. <laughs> Did I do the best, you know, given the week that I had? But, you know, am I, you know, uh, maybe I'm comparing it to past sermons or maybe I'm comparing it to, uh, you know, to other other preachers, you know, who are miles, you know, more gifted than I am and so on. And I'm just like, man, that was nowhere close to a Charlie Dates, you know, or that was nowhere close to, you know, Piper or whoever. Right. Um, you know, I man, you know, that that was that was. Oh, you know, my identity is not wrapped up in my ability. Mm. My identity is wrapped up rather in Christ's ability, right. you know, in his work on the cross. Uh, uh, Jared uh, Wilson's book, uh, The Pastor's Justification, is is spot on about this, that I have to constantly remind myself that I am a wretched sinner. I am nothing, you know, before God. And yet because I am in Christ— mm. I'm everything, you know, uh, you know, it's in Christ that I find my, my worth. It's in Christ that I find my identity. It's in Christ that, that, that I am, uh, uh, loved deeply by God as a, as a son, mm. you know, it's, it's by Christ that I have the Holy spirit, you know, who, uh, works to conform me into the image of Christ and thankfully is faithful to complete his work. As Philippians says, he doesn't, he doesn't pack up his bags and just go, I'm out of here. You know, <laughs> you know, you got issues. Um, um, you know, I, I thought that I could conform you to the image of Christ, but bruh, and he just leaves. You know, yeah. no, that's it's not, not him. TBD. Exactly. He's faithful to to stick it out, you know, for for all of eternity, you know, in conforming us into the image of his son, uh, the image of God's son. That It's just it's it's remarkable. And when I rest in that, you know, when I as as the Lord would say, when I abide in him. 
then the anxieties, you know, uh, I, I can, I'm, I'm freed to hold loosely to those things. I'm right. freed. I'm freed up, you know, uh, instead of having those things burden me and weigh me down. Now my identity is wrapped up in who I am in Christ, and and I can enjoy the grace of of knowing that He's not finished with me. Hmm. I agree, brother. the The gospel radically changes not only the identity of the pastor or believer, really, mm-hmm. but changes the very DNA of who they are, what they do, who they serve, and 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 so on. So, yeah. pastors, your identity is not found or validated by the size of your church. Mm-hmm. Your identity is not found or validated by your ministry accomplishments or accolades. Your identity isn't found or validated by the books you write, the ladders you climb, or the important people you meet or surround yourself with. Your mm-hmm. identity is found and secured by Christ. It is rooted in and loved by the love of God. You are a child of God. I mean, you yeah. just hearing you say it, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and man, what a gift. You know, what mercy is that? Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, how relieving is it that you are loved and cherished by the living God, Yeah. regardless of your performance in ministry? Your performance isn't the measurement of God's love for you, and that should be a very freeing uh, truth to consider mm-hmm. each and every day mm-hmm. of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you think about how many of us, you know, how many guys grew up in settings where, uh, especially for for uh, for us uh, men, we grew up in settings where our, our identity is totally wrapped up in our performance. Right. You know, uh, am I able to to meet these test scores? Mm. You know, am I able to, uh, you know, if I'm on, am I able to make the team? Mm. You know, and once I make the team, am I able to make the shot? You know, am I able to, you know, to do that or am I going to get benched? You know, because there's always somebody behind me. Uh, There's always somebody that, you know, that can take my place, you know, and so on. And so everything is performance, 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 performance. Am I able to keep my job? Say prior to uh, you know to ministry, or for those of you who are in uh, bivocational ministry and so on, you know the difficulties. You know where it's like, all right, the church can't sustain me, and so I've got to work. And so you feel that week in and week out. You know, if I've got to, I've got to keep doing a good job. I got to keep you know keep at it and so on. I can't afford to lose this job. Uh, my family can't afford to lose this job. And so much is is uh, is is riding on your performance. And yeah, that's 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 a part of this world. You know, it's a part of of the reality. And we feel that weight, especially as as guys, we feel that weight uh, week in and week out. And yet here the Lord is saying over and over again, uh, it is not ultimately about your performance. Mm -hmm. It's ultimately about Christ's performance. It's not about what you do. It's about what Christ did. And because it is your life hangs on what Christ has done, and what he even continues to right. do as our great high priest and what he will do as our soon coming king and everything that frees me up then to work for joy mm. you know uh not to where work is no longer a burden and right. and the same thing in terms of our pastoral ministry where ministry is no longer a burden for me uh but it is a joy i'm serving the living christ it's so freeing too yeah. because now you can preach a bad sermon and the god still move through it like yeah. you're talking about how you have those Mondays 
You may never see what that bad sermon did, mm-hmm. but the Lord can still use it and still does use it. Yeah. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times, <laughs> how many times I've I've been in that valley. There's a reason that I have so many uh, uh, different you know illustrations of 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 the Mondays, you know, and right. so on. It's because I've had so many of them, um, where I've just gone, "What in the world was that?" I remember there was one Sunday where I preached uh, a, a message. It was it was um, uh, actually just recently I was preaching in Romans, and and I, in my mind I was going, "What in the world are you doing right now? You know, what are you doing? You know, it, it didn't for me. It didn't feel coherent. It didn't feel like I was saying anything. And there was this dear elderly lady that came over to me in tears, mm. and she said, "I cannot tell you how much I needed to hear that message." Mm. And and she was just saying, I mean, just just. I mean, just over overflowing with thankfulness and just thank you so much for that. Thank you for following the spirit and everything. And in my mind, I'm kind of going, um, <laughs> okay, so what you call following the spirit was what I called butchering it. Oh, um, but <laughs> it's funny because every time I preach, it's not Monday, but it's immediately stepping down that mm-hmm. I feel like that was rough. But I'll never forget, and I know I've shared this on this podcast before, I'll never forget there was one particular day I preached where the whole time, like I don't know if you've ever preached and thought at the same time, but I'm preaching and I'm thinking, man, this is just not not it. And there was there's a you know, obviously backstory to that, had very little time to prepare. Mm-hmm. I left my water, so my throat was super itchy. And then mm-hmm. just the whole time I'm thinking, Oh man, this is not good. And I'm, I'm my eyes just keep going to this guy in the congregation, a member of our of the church, and he just looks so uncomfortable mm-hmm. and almost like like I felt like he was just he 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 could read my mind. Sure. But he was the first person after I was done who uh-huh. just said, "Man, that was just so encouraging." And was uh-huh. just so gentle uh afterwards, but just like you and your in your story, I'm thinking did we listen to the same thing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But in God's mercy, you know, He not only uses those things, but I think He He's teaching us in those things. You know, teaching us that once again, it's not about us, right? And it's not by us. You know, it's it's by His Spirit. And so, even in those moments, I think there's a little bit of a gentle rebuke. You know, to say, "Hey, uh, you are not." it. <laughs> uh, but rather, it's it, in other words, it's not because of you, but it's because of the Christ who is in you. It's because of the Spirit who is working in you, and it's because you are in are in Him, uh, you know, that, that this is of any value um, and of any benefit for the church. And so instead of me uh, laying all of this onto my um, uh, you know, onto my own shoulders. Rather, I continue to remind myself week in and week out that I, my whole existence rests yeah. on the shoulders of Christ, and He is the one who is faithful uh, yeah. to accomplish the purpose. Every time I preach, I have Galatians two twenty in my head. You know, I have been crucified with Christ; it is no mm-hmm. longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And Absolutely. the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And it's mm-hmm. just such a good reminder, man. Mm-hmm. So how does preaching the gospel to yourself protect you in ministry? Now, we've kind of alluded to some of that, mm-hmm. but but what are some other ways? Yeah. 
Well, think about some of Paul's descriptions uh, and, and, and the Lord's descriptions of, of false teachers, okay? Uh, think about some of the things that they say about them. You know, they, they use other people. They abuse other people. Um, you know, uh, false teachers, interestingly, in the, in the scriptures, they're, they're known more for their behavior than they are for their beliefs, so yes, they'll say things that, that run con- uh, counter to the gospel, but it seems like the focus for much of the scriptures is on the way they live and the way they act. And so it's almost like you can, you can spot them a mile away before you can hear them. Uh, almost like in this case, the, the, the speed of light is, is, is faster than the speed of sound. Um, I guess it's that case in, in every situation, but, <laughs> but the speed of light is faster than the speed of sound. You can see them and spot them before you, before you right. even hear anything right. that they say because their lives are just so counter to, uh, to the gospel. Well, what's undergirding that? What's undergirding that is you have people who are saying something counter to the, uh, to the gospel, but they're also living counter to the gospel. And at the heart of all of that is they're not submitting to the truth of the gospel. They're not applying the gospel to their lives. Right. And so because they're not applying the gospel to their lives, not only do they have a, a, an inflated sense of themselves, uh, but they have a deflated sense of the Lord and of his people. Uh, and so you could look at a, a book like John, First John, and in First John, those really are the two things, uh, two main things that John is after. You know, he he has such an emphasis on truth and love, truth and love. Why does he have an emphasis on truth and love? Well, because that's the kind of person that the gospel creates. Mm. The gospel creates people who are committed to the truth of the gospel, and they're committed to the love, you know, uh, that is demonstrated in the right. gospel. And so uh, he says, hey, you know, are these folks saying the same thing about Jesus? If not, <laughs> you know, you can spot them a mile away. Just listen to what they're saying. But then he also says, do you notice the way that they, uh, their lack of love? So do you notice they really don't care about the gathering? They really don't care about the people. They don't care about their souls. They don't care about, you know, about their needs. They don't care about any of these types of things and so on. Well, that's an indication that they're probably, you know, uh, uh, you know, not being uh, guarded by the gospel. It's easy to care. It's easy to, to spot what they do care about, which is mm-hmm. the power, the money. Exactly. You know, fill in the blank. Exactly. And the fact of the matter is Acts 20, I, I come back to Acts 20 over and over and over again, because I, I think that there's a warning in there. Uh, we notice the warning to the wolves, you know, as Paul talks about the wolves there, but I don't think we we pick up on the uh, the subtle warning that he gave to us um, as he was speaking of the wolves. Uh, so he's talking here about uh, the, the wolves and so on, and then he says, even in uh, uh, verse 29, he says, I know that after my departure— Fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And then he says, verse 30, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. In other words, all these false teachers that we talk about should be a warning against us that it doesn't take much for us to become one of them. It doesn't right. take much for a shepherd to become a wolf. Right. He just has to uh, to stop applying the gospel to himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the moment you uh, you start 
uh, trusting in your own lies, the moment you start, you know, trusting in your own righteousness, the moment you start trusting in your own ability and, and, and all of these different things and not continuing to lay prostrate before the Lord and before his spirit to apply the gospel to your life day in and day out, you're on the path to becoming a wolf. Mm-hmm. That's, that's super helpful. I think I, I agree with you. I think, I think it protects you from many things. I think it protects the pastors from one of the biggest dangers in ministry, which is comparison. Mm-hmm. I, I see the temptation. I mean, that temptation's in all of us, not just in pastoral ministry, but mm-hmm. it protects you from that. Uh, it also pushes the pastor from the danger of complacency. Yeah. And forgive me, this isn't alliterated, but I, I think it also protects the pastor from self-dependency. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, and so all, all of those things, and there are so many other dangers, right? I mean— we could honestly do another podcast just on this question. If I had to add one more, though, and again, this isn't just for pastors, but I think it's very relevant to pastors, uh, preaching the gospel to yourself protects you from despair. Mm-hmm. I mean, ministry is incredibly difficult at times, and quite honestly, it, it can weigh down on pastors and church leaders big time. In seasons like this, and I know so many pastors right now are enduring through seasons like this. In seasons like this, pastors need to be reminded of the hope that has been secured for them by the atoning work of Christ to remind them of what uh, you, brother, mm-hmm. remind them each week at the end of our episodes that their labor is not in vain. Sure, It's doing something, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. if they don't see the fruit of it. Yeah, Even if they'll never see the fruit of it, yeah. it's doing something. Absolutely. Absolutely. What are the difficulties of preaching the gospel to yourself? There may be a pastor listening right now. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you, you know, I, I know I need to preach the gospel to myself. But honestly, when I'm in a valley, it's just hard to do. Yeah, I mean, there, there are several. Um, one, <laughs> just like every other person, it's, it's hard to, uh, it, 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 for, because of our flesh, I think it's hard for us to run towards God in times of suffering. It shouldn't be that way. Uh, the reality, you know, is that the one person we need to run to is Abba, uh, you know, to, to run to him. And, and as the psalmist would say, to hide under the shadow of his wings, uh, to find him to be a shelter, to find him to be a refuge and, and so on. But, but because of our flesh, when we're in down seasons, you know, we, we turn inward. Uh, you know, we, we isolate ourselves. You know, we isolate ourselves from, from our family, isolate ourselves from friends. I, and, and certainly we have those seasons where, uh, unfortunately, we isolate ourselves even from the Lord. And so it's in those moments where we, it's almost as if we want to be alone, we just want to be alone, you know, and what that what tends to happen in those seasons. And again, it shouldn't be this way, is that alone also means that we close our Bibles hmm. and we move away and we say, I just I just need, you know, time to, you know, to to be quiet. I just need time to be alone, to be by myself and so on. When in reality, this is a time when we shouldn't be closing our Bibles, but it's a time where we should be opening them and we should be engaging again with the gospel and seeing afresh uh, that that the gospel is uh, sufficient um, and the gospel is certainly capable um, of healing us and restoring us in the, in those down times. Um, I think some so one another difficulty is, and perhaps. This is a rude awakening for us as pastors. 
But I think that we may underestimate the power of the gospel. Hmm. I think that there are many of us that underestimate the power of the gospel. And our suffering, you know, those valleys reveal that. Uh, They reveal that in those moments, we actually don't believe that God is capable of doing exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And so we get into these valleys and, you know, we, we just stop trusting and we stop hoping, you know, that God is able to get us through this, that God is able to, you know, to, to uh, get us out of this. I, I think of the Israelites. Here they are in the wilderness. And you notice how so much of what they went through in the wilderness was really just a test of faith. Do you trust that the one who is able to get you out of Egypt is the one who's able to get you to the promised land and get you out of the wilderness. And over and over and over again, the people of Israel basically answered, no, <laughs> we, we don't. Um, we don't even trust that he can feed us. You know, we don't trust that he can feed us. We don't trust that he can clothe us. Their shoes didn't wear out. You know, their sandals didn't wear out the entire time. But they're going, yeah, but can he get us water? Hmm. He got water out of the rock twice. Yeah, but is he able to conquer the Nephilim? Right. You know, I mean, you're just <laughs> and 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 we go through that too. I mean, that is a that is especially a struggle for us as pastors. You know, we believe that God is able to save people, but do we believe that God is able to save us? You know, do we believe that God is able to sustain us through the through the struggles? You know, do we believe that God is able to to get us through the depression? That God is able to get us through the um, the melancholy, the isolation, know, the isolation. Yeah, yeah. Do we believe that God is able? Do we do we have Romans eight thirty one and thirty two kind of confidence? You know, where he says, "What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, do I believe that God is for me? If God is for us, who can be against us?" You know, the emails that I get, you know, the 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 phone calls that I get, you know, the snide remarks on social media, you know, when folks are, are you know, church members blasting pastor and so on as if pastor doesn't have a social media account, you know, and can't see everything. Although they may probably know that pastor has a social media account and they did it on purpose, you know, but all of these different things. You know, do I believe that if God is for me, no one is against me? Mm-hmm. You know, do I believe, verse 32 that he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all will graciously with him give us all things. Right. You know, do I trust that the God of the gospel is for me and not against me? These diff- uh, these these difficult seasons, these valleys and so on are really where the rubber uh, meets the road. And and it's in those moments where where there's kind of a gut check if you will to say do I trust that this gospel is real, that this God is true, and he is faithful, and he does love me, and he is uh, gracious, and he is going to accomplish his purpose, uh, even in the times where you know it doesn't look like there's any way that God is going to get me through this. In these moments, is God still faithful? Mm. We've all experienced the bumps and scrapes of life at some point, right? Mm-hmm. We also know what the gospel says about us and God's love for us, but sometimes it's just difficult. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to remind and apply the truth when you're in a valley. When you're standing on top of a mountain, it's easy. In mm-hmm. fact, you, you, you'll shout it. You like, yeah. the, you like the echo you know, when you're at, in, on top of the mountain. But it's hard when you are literally stuck in the bottom of a valley. Mm-hmm. It's hard to see the light. Mm-hmm. You know, I was having a conversation with Dr. Lawless this morning, 
And he was talking about the importance of having someone close to you to help you with this during these difficult seasons. Yes, absolutely run to the Lord, but make sure you surround yourself with uh, just faithful brothers. Yes. Uh, Seasons uh, where it's hard to find words to pray, having someone in the trenches with you could make all of the difference. Someone Mm -hmm. who has been there at some point, someone who has weathered the storms of ministry, someone who, when they speak, you hear legitimate encouragement and not cliches and Hallmark card quotes, as I like to call them. I have those close friends. I have the friends who can be honest with me when they need to be, the ones who notice when I'm not myself, even on the phone, like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just through my voice. Yeah. The ones who I know care deeply about me and my family, the ones who I know have have weathered many storms Mm -hmm. in ministry, Mm -hmm. uh, not just in ministry, but, but in life too. Yeah. So my encouragement to pastors is find these people. Mm-hmm. Find these people who are experienced, who love you deeply, who care for you, who are not going to give you what you want to hear. Because I think the, the, the problem at times is we can hear, you just need to preach the gospel to yourself and think, well, well, thanks, that's really helpful. Yeah. It doesn't really help. <laughs> like, you know, we need people that we can trust, mm-hmm. that can speak it in such a way that it's not an attack on us. Yes. Right. Yes. I mean, the gospel was not made to create, um, you know, kind of this, this, what kind of the world's con, uh, concept of community, you know, where, uh, at least in our culture, where we're a bunch of individuals, you know, just kind of going around in our little self contained circles. And every once in a while, we'll allow access for others, you know, to come into these circles and stuff, and we'll make a big circle. But in in the end, I'm still just my own self-contained circle. So when we talk about, you know, the the gospel, it's it's easy for us to think that the gospel is for me, and therefore I need to preach the gospel to me, and and I may allow other people in every once in a while and so on, but ultimately this is still all about me. Right. Uh, that's not... That's not what the yeah, gospel is. Like creates. I was like we were talking before this, you know, I, I, this isn't a solo race. The yes. Christian life is not a solo race. <laughs> yes, yes. The gospel creates a people, um, a people who are a part of this massive family of God. Yeah. You know, we are brothers and sisters. And so uh, one vital, vital uh, thing to your point uh, that we have to remember when it comes to preaching the gospel to yourself is that you also have other brothers and sisters who preach the gospel to your uh, to you as well. And so just as you are in the position uh, as the shepherd uh, to uh, to preach the gospel to other people, it would be really good for you to listen to other people preach the gospel to you. And I'm reminded just real quick of a story. You know, 2014 ran a half marathon uh, mm-hmm. with my best friend. Shout out Cody Lewis, and we decided probably a month before we were going to do this. So we immediately started training poorly. Mm-hmm. So we would do maybe a mile a day. Mm-hmm. Neither of us were like good runners. So we were training the week of, we did 10 miles. You know, we, we, we got, we got as close as we could to ready. But I remember day of the race in my head thinking, I can do this. I can run this you know, 13.1 miles. And there were so many times, my goal is to not stop. Mm-hmm. Like if I could run this thing, even if it took 10 hours, as long as I didn't stop, it was a victory for me. And I'll never forget, man, every little time there were thoughts in my head of, man, you need to stop. I was just so encouraged by the people alongside that weren't running the race. Mm -hmm. They were just there to encourage. And there were so many. 
uh, that just kept saying, you got this, keep going, you got this, keep going. Yeah. And maybe today, Pastor, you're the one running the race, and you're the one in your head thinking, I need to stop. Just be encouraged, brother. Even if it's just us, you hearing us, keep running. Mm -hmm. You've got this. Mm -hmm. And the Lord, the creator of this universe, has got you Mm -hmm. and loves you and cares deeply about you. Maybe you're a pastor and you're not struggling, but you know someone in your life locally or just a friend that may not even be close that's struggling. Reach out to that brother Mm -hmm. and let them know that you love them, that you care for them, and that they serve a God who is great. Yeah. So that would be my encouragement. Mm -hmm. Are there any other encouragements you have for pastors listening right now who feel the stress of ministry and life weighing on them? Yeah. Uh, remember the gospel that you preach. Um, remember the God of the gospel. Remember that this is the God who, uh, who in his grace, has adopted you into his family by the work of Christ. Remember the, the Son, you know, who came and, and perfectly obeyed God's law in our place, uh, who laid down his life in our place took upon our unrighteousness and suffered in our place uh, and, and, and did all of these things um, uh, in, uh, in, um, as a substitute for us. And then God raised him from the dead so that all that he did uh, would be validated for all of the world to see. Uh, and then know uh, that he is the one who sits as our, our great high priest, and he prays for you. Even now, he prays for you uh, as, our, as our intercessor and so on. Uh, and then remember, we have a Holy Spirit uh, who has come down to dwell in us and to assure us as the down payment, as the guarantee of the inheritance that is to come, uh, the one who is committed to molding and shaping you into the uh, into conformity to Christ uh, and will finish his work uh, in in due time. Remember all of these things that the pro- uh, that the gospel promises to us and so much more uh, because you will have hard times. Uh, the hard times aren't avoided. Uh, you are going to face those hard times. And when you face those hard times, it's, it's good to remember that we have good news that drowns out all the bad news. The good news is that God, the Father, Son, and Spirit, uh, has so moved in his grace to redeem you and to bring you into his family uh, and to transform you uh, and to make you a, an heir to the promise and to the inheritance that is to come, and nothing can separate you from his love. This is a promise that has been sworn by God uh, and cannot be overtaken and cannot be uh, uh, annulled or anything like that. He is a God who keeps his promises. Mm -hmm. And because of this gospel, uh, we can go in week in and week out and share this good news with other people. Live in the gospel if you are going to be one herald of the gospel Mm -hmm. uh, all of your days. That's a good word, brother. You quoted it a couple of times, Romans 8. 31 through 39. Pastors, bookmark that and just turn to it whenever you feel discouragement. Well, that'll do it, brother. Thank you again for sharing these valuable insights in today's conversation. If you're interested in more, learning more about this topic or hearing more on this topic, check out our website. We have an article on preaching the gospel to yourself by Eric Roseberry. It's a great reminder uh, of how to do this and why it's important in the life of a pastor. As always, 
We want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. If you found this episode helpful, consider leaving us a review and five-star rating. Doing so both encourages us and helps others find out about our podcast. It is our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors, and I hope we've done that today with our conversation. And as always, friends, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain.